They say love is patient, they say love is kind Marriage on the other hand takes those things plus wide Spousing is a journey, not for the faint of heart Being married to a human is a science and an art Hi Lauren! Hey Katie! Inaugural episode! Ah, wow! This I feel like I should be wearing a ball gown. and Oh, yes, and we should at least like be Michelle together. Obama. Yes! Yeah. Ugh, the Obamas. <laughs> I wish the Obamas would be at the inauguration of our episode. Yeah. Michelle has been doing the podcast circuit, though. Because she has! Book. I know. We're, we're going to put it out there into the universe. Yeah, so <laughs> this is our first episode, but if you yeah, happen to hear it. us, Michelle Obama, we would love for you to come on and talk about your marriage. I think the f- the former first lady is probably like a good, like a reasonable expectation for our first guest. I think that would probably be that's that's, very reasonable. You and me like to shoot for the stars. Yeah, we sure do. Well, uh-huh. also, I feel like she would be really good uh, to come on and give us like her feedback and opinions and experience with being married. Yeah, absolutely. And who, that is such a unique perspective that she has for being married to one of the leaders of the free world. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good segue into introducing what this is. Do you want yeah, to talk about is what this is? this? What is this? Um, so this is our podcast called Spousing on Modern Marriage. So the idea here is, well, what is it, Katie, exactly? What are we doing? Okay, so should we start at the beginning? The 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 long story short is that Lauren's been really trying to get me to do a podcast for for quite a bit of time. Um, Lauren had a dream of doing a podcast about <laughs> TLC families like the Duggars and the sister, uh, wives. sister wives. What are they? The um, the Browns. The, the Browns. I knew mm-hmm. it was something generic. Yep. Um, Lauren wanted to do a podcast about that, but I was kind of resisting because Lauren is far more uh I don't know well read well humble ra- watched yeah <laughs> humble brag and um in polygamous or otherwise um fundamentalist um families in Utah yeah I sure you're, am you're far better versed so the then Duggars don't even live in Utah Katie Oh, gosh. They live in Kansas. <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas. Good Arkansas. job. Good yeah, because they campaigned for that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. Rick mm-hmm. Rick something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fan. Anyway, nope. so because we aren't going to do a podcast about the Duggars, we settled on the second best thing, um, being married. <laughs> That's Is something that else that Lauren goes? and I have Is it fundamentalist culture and then secondary marriage? That's you like and the... I are into cults. <laughs> Is marriage a cult? <laughs> This is a really good question for this episode. <laughs> yes, so let's let's get into it. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess our hope for this this podcast is that it will be a um for us sort of a pensive for the Harry Potter fans fans out there <laughs> of our experiences as newlyweds. Um and also just I think it's interesting marriage today is uh, as it's as evolved as the society that surrounds it and we don't always get our perspective out there there's a lot of um a lot of other representations of marriages and i think we are both in marriages that don't look exactly like things that we've seen on tv or um that we grew up watching or seeing around us so we're trying to define that and um and share that and, and hopefully get some input from you guys about um, your marriages and how the differences in things that you see. Yeah. You know, and for me also, like, being married is one of the 
strangest, most intense things I've ever done in my life. And so I am a curious person and I want to read about it and like think about it and talk to people about it. But there's actually like not a lot of media out there, podcasts or books or otherwise that are like kind of low stakes, not particularly religious, um, Mm -hmm. speak my language, but are also about being married, not just dating or, you know, in a relationship. Because I would say that a marriage... And I'm open to this being wrong, but a marriage is kind of a different thing than like a long term. Yeah, I mean, relationship. For, at least it was me, for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Empirically, for me, that's true. That is 100 percent true. I felt, and I didn't expect the differences because my partner and I already lived together, and then we got married, and there was a marked change. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that like you and me, not to toot our own horns, but I think that you and me bring some interesting perspective. I mean, yeah. you are married to a woman. I am. That's that's a true. You're also living with your parents. Um, I'm currently living with my parents. Yeah. Which is new, newer than the marriage. And in a relatively (laughs) conservative part of the country, right? Yes, So that's like a, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about who, just a little about who you're married to so that we can name some characters in this cast? Absolutely. So um, my name is Lauren and I am a teacher and I I live in Virginia Beach, um, which is recent. We just moved here from the D.C. area. And I'm married to Caitlin, and Caitlin is a midwife, a midwife student currently. So because she's still in school, when we moved down here, we moved in with my parents um, until she graduates and gets a job, which has been a whole um, transformation, transition in itself, um, in and of itself. But we are, I am excited about my perspective. Um, That's a very... Uh, self-righteous thing to say. I'm very excited about my perspective. You sound like you're a, um, well, you sound like you're at a job interview. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to bring my fresh. That sounds like a humble brag, right? Like you're humbly talking with a lot of self-confidence. Yeah, I'm I think I have a real fresh perspective on marriage. (laughs) Yeah, so true. I just, I am excited to talk about things that with Katie, because Katie and I have been friends for a long time, but we don't live in the same area. And We've so been in a conversation, in a never-ending conversation since 2011. Yeah, which... That's, 2010. Uh, we just, we've been through a lot together, Katie. Yeah, we have. We've <laughs> been through a lot of relationships, a lot of breakups, a lot of marriages. We knew each other before we knew our spouses. That's true. Yeah, so we predate the spouses. By a lot. Yeah, yeah, by a lot. I was mm-hmm. I was with you for three years before I was with Mark. Yeah, <laughs> so true. Um, um, yeah, I think that you have a lot to say about, like, plus you're, like, one of the wisest people I know. I come to you for counsel all oh, the time. Well, thank you, Katie. That's, That's so how the whole, this whole podcast started, is me yes. coming to you for counsel. Well, and vice versa, because Katie has a, you have a very unique perspective that I'm really excited about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because man. Katie is a therapist, a clinical social worker. I am. I'm a clinical social worker. I am currently working towards uh, my LCSW, but I work in a um, in an environment where I have dealt a lot with issues of relationships and sexuality and um, healthy relationships. And now I'm working with people who have um, severe mental health issues. And so I feel like I... And, you know, a lot of mental health issues, like, are inexorable from the relationships in those people's lives. So mm-hmm. I feel like I work in relationships and feelings for a living. Um, yeah. And what is marriage except for a relationship of feelings? Yes. And you know what? Also, that's education. 
Yeah. It's all relationships well, and all feelings. That's just everything. Could we say this is our and philosophy? Flashlights. Everything in life is just relationships and feelings and oh, hormones. Oh, that is so true. That that's what your mother says. Feelings, hormones. Yep. Sandy says it's all hormones. And you Sandy know. says, ding. We should ding. have a. Yeah. A drinking game. Yeah. Speaking of drinks, what are you enjoying? Because I know uh, you must have cracked is... open some. Enjoying is a generous word, and I'm also oh, already dear. finished with it. A, a uh, glass of very bad white wine left over from Easter. Uh, left over from Easter? Not Easter. What holiday did we have recently? Oh, okay. Thanksgiving. Yeah, whatever. Yes. Gotcha. Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> I was like, girl, I don't know if you should drink that Easter wine. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. If it was never opened, it was just older. Also, yeah, Easter true. wine seems like particularly the Christian thing to do. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What are you drinking? Um, I am currently drinking, so my my sweet wife went to Trader Joe's, which we used to live right next door to, and now it's, like, some distance. So she came home with a <laughs> case of wine, and her, like, big selling point was, babe, I didn't spend more than three ninety nine on any of these bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, so I'm having one of those. It's not terrible. I think it's, like, a sort of a Tempranillo situation. Yeah, just, um, like, a straightforward fine wine. Yeah, not, which not I, like capital F fine, but no, 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 it's no. fine. It's fine. Lowercase <laughs> F. Mark Mark likes to say, um, it tastes like wine. Yeah, it tastes like wine. And he's yeah. right. It, it gets the job done. Yep. <laughs> Mark's the end of the day. Puts a period on the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. Um speaking of Mark, I let me just quickly say something about him. Oh so yes, that yes. Who are you married know to? Know him. Um, I am married to Mark and we live in Pennsylvania. Um, so I'm a social worker. He's actually a student right now, too. When does Caitlin graduate? She will graduate in May. Okay, so Mark is going to graduate in December. Um, he's in school to be a phys ed teacher. So, yeah, that's what we do. We live, we moved up here um, after we met in Virginia to live closer to his parents and so that he could go to this good program that they have up here for teachers. Um, and also, this is where all of Mark's family and friends live so I don't know it's been a pretty okay place I struggled with it for a little bit and now I'm settled and I love it and that's our situation yeah so we're bringing we're bringing other than the fact that I am like a therapist and I therapize him all the time and I bring a therapeutic lens to our relationship all the time we're pretty standard yeah yeah but it's good I think to know the setting of just like what um yeah where we're coming from Yes, and I'm definitely coming from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. When you hear that Katie's comments sound more northern than I, than mine, that's why. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I Everybody up here thinks I have a southern accent, so. Oh, man. Yeah, it'll depend on who's listening to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, so. we are going to start every episode with talking a little bit about some of the things that we do well in marriage and some of the things that we don't do so well in marriage because um, marriage is, after all, just two imperfect people sometimes succeeding and most of the time failing. Yeah, so <laughs> um, And we're going to call this segment Wins and Losses, although I have a feeling that you and I are going to be very, like, generous about our losses. Yeah, We tend yes. to be pretty self-compassionate people. Yeah, we do. And I think that's also, if you're marking anything up as, like, just total loss in your marriage, you're not giving it the chance to, like, also teach you something. You're absolutely correct. That is true. Losses Mm -hmm. are teachers. That's a growth mindset you got there, girl. I sure do have a growth mindset. (laughs) And I will tell you all about it. That's a habit of mind. It's, oh, a girl. I literally (laughs) was just about to start, just start thinking about 
habits of mine. Or talking about it, rather. Okay, Katie, what yes. are some of your wins and or losses this week? So, um, I have a win that comes from a loss. Um, okay. I have been, well, I'll just start with saying what my win is. I'm back on my meds. Oh, <laughs> um, This yes. is a big deal for me. <laughs> that is huge. Yeah. I have um, been taking psych meds for like six years now. And, well, God, how old am I? Uh, seven years now. Um, and some of them I've been taking consistently. Some of them I've been taking on and off. But they've become a very important part of my mental health tool belt. Yes. Um, I am absolutely not somebody – I am, like, I'm, I work in a psychiatric hospital. So on my team that I work with with people are psychiatrists who I work closely with. I'm not against psychiatric medicine in the least. I'm, like, super against the stigma around it, whatever. But even – you know about that whole internalized stigma thing that people have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's me and meds sometimes. Yes, it um, is. Yeah. So I also, one of the meds that I take is a class one controlled substance. And so in Pennsylvania, they're really intense about it and strict about it. And you have to like jump through hoops and everybody that you talk to about the med treats you kind of like you're a criminal. And it's just really like, I don't like it. It makes me mm-hmm. feel yucky. Mm-hmm. Um so one of the th- one of the choices that I made earlier this year was to try to go off my meds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up being off my meds for like seven months and nothing catastrophic happened, but there was a marked difference in my like functioning, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also when my mental health is not at its best, I'm really not good in my marriage. And this is why this is like a... Um, this is why this is a, a marriage win that I'm talking right. about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up making the decision to, it was kind of a saga about how I got back in to see a doctor, but I ended up making the decision to schedule an appointment and go back in and get over myself and take my meds. Side note, just heard your dog bark. And yeah, that's, so that's our drinking game. That's our that's our actual drinking game, we've yep. decided. Every time one of our dog barks, um, this is a little insider secret. We are not currently in a fancy recording studio. We're what? just in our houses. <laughs> Yes. So when our two yippy dogs start barking, you can drink because we certainly will. Because we will. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that was my win. I got back on my meds. Okay, that is a huge win, and has yeah, and that has been an improvement in your marriage as well. Yes. Well, and like you know, this this is a huge loss. This is maybe my biggest marriage loss of the year. I lied about being off my meds for, or I didn't really. It was a lie by omission. Yeah. For a little bit of time and I was I did that because Mark knows Mark met me after I was on my meds and he's heard me say things like meds changed my life and I'm a different person because of my meds but and so he would be really like upset if he knew that I had gone off my meds he'd be worried about me which is yeah. great that's what we should listeners if yeah. your partner <laughs> goes off their meds you should be worried about them yes absolutely without um, the consultation of a doctor and without a plan without open communication yeah, yeah. I just I just did it because I didn't want to go to my doctor's appointments, which one of the mental health conditions that I have is characterized by impulsivity so uh-huh. yeah <laughs> um it would follow that that would be a choice that I would make. So anyway, I, yeah, I'm, we ended up talking about it. I got back on my meds. Everything is fine. And it, the doctor's office wasn't that scary. So yeah. I'm adjusting back to being on my meds, but there's definitely been, I just feel a lot better and I'm a lot more organized and I'm remembering to turn off the light more often. Yeah. And I would so. assume that, that your, um, 
mental everybody has like a, a finite amount of energy and, and mental oh, yeah, energy bandwidth. and when you have to yeah when you have to invest so much of that in just regulating your like mental health your mental state then you don't have as much to give to your partner you know yeah and if, get, if using your meds as a tool in your tool tool belt can help that uh help give a little more space for that then that has to be a positive thing for your marriage Oh, absolutely. 100%. And what it was doing was it was making my day, my day is more tolerable. And so then Mm -hmm. when I get home, you know, Mark is probably the only person that I see every single day that I have like a really genuine heart to heart conversation with. I have heart to heart conversations with other people throughout the week, but I see him every day. Yeah. And so he's going to be the first person he gets my, he catches my mood. He catches my attitude. And so I have, I mean, I say this to people all the time. You are not responsible for having a mental illness and like mental illness is a kind of questionable word, but you're Mm -hmm. not responsible for having a mental illness, but you are responsible for taking care of your mental illness. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Because nobody else can be responsible for that. But no, so, Mm -hmm. you know, my responsibility, I am a, I'm an adult, but I feel very much like my rebellious streak that I've always had that like childish rebellious streak in me rears its head. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, I can that also is parent myself, win. so I'm taking my meds. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now that we're win. closer to 30 than 20, by a yeah, lot. we should start maybe being <laughs> responsible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Eating adult okay. food, taking our meds. All right, what do you got? All right. Um, so our my win this week is um, the realization that over time, I'm going to generalize the statement first and then tell you the specifics. Over time, issues that used to be... Um, very hot button like that thing that you know every time you talk about it you're gonna like argue you're gonna have a fight about it over time those issues morph and change and time does really heal and create space for those tougher conversations so Mm, good thing to remember yes so your win is is that you are the wisest wizard of all time and that you're just gonna drop knowledge (laughs) on us (laughs) i'm really excited about my perspective here Me too. (laughs) I'm riveted. I am just so excited. Okay, so when Caitlin and I started dating, one of the things that we butted heads about early on was religion. So I'm a person, just in general terms, I'm a person that has a positive relationship with religion. I consider myself religious, and my wife does not. Um, In fact, she identifies as an atheist, which... um, was fine, but I think, not fine, it, that just is how, how it is, but I always feared that she was going to look down on me for my religious views, not from anything that she did, but just because in general, like, I've had that experience before, so I was worried that through the course of our relationship, obviously, it's something I wanted to share with my wife, but, um, but then, um, I also, I, the, the bigger issue was the vulnerability thing, feeling yeah. like she was going to look down on me and think that I was less intelligent because it's of It's a my sensitive personal part of your life, and a lot of times I think, as somebody who used to identify as an atheist, I think that it's not a, like, I used to consider myself somebody who didn't believe in anything whatsoever, and I don't think it's a stretch to be afraid that somebody might say, oh, that's silly or foolish. Right. Absolutely. And it's and... something you take seriously, and it's close to you. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, the thing about building a life with someone is that their values become, even if they're not your values, they become incredibly important to you. Mm, So she has really morphed her, like, changed her thinking about 
um, she still identifies the same way, but she shares in the experiences that are important to me because, because she is my partner and we are as a couple, as a team stronger for it. So mm-hmm. we have found a church that matches, um, that allow that allows for the kinds of discussions that she needs to be able to have and, um, or the kind of thought patterns, you know, that she doesn't need to pretend to feel any particular way she about. She would be so welcome. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. and so that that space has, has been really good for us because even though she doesn't believe in the same things that I believe in, I get to go and have that like spiritual rejuvenation weekly and sometimes more than that. Um, and she is there for it. And we can have really interesting discussions about the, the bigger, larger world issues that are going on. Um, so I think my win is really the, the fact that things that you think, because there was a time I never would have seen this this iteration of our relationship. And I think the um, the time that we are in now is just evidence that time heals things. And things that yeah. used to be really, really hard, just give it time because those we have other hard things that we work through now, and this just isn't one of them anymore. Yeah, yeah, you softened to each other. Exactly. It is so funny that you say that because that has been something I've been thinking about. That is, Two people in my life other than you have been having like epiphanies related to religion and their relationships. And so I wonder like, I don't know. I just, that's, that's, it is such a salient conversation, right? Because Absolutely. Mark and I started out pretty different too. And it's so personal. Do you feel comfortable talking about your faith with Caitlin? Like, or do yes. you still feel a little iffy? No, I 100% feel comfortable. And she even recently um, made a little, like, date with me. And we, on a car trip, we had, like, a scheduled conversation. And she wanted to hear about my faith journey. And, and I wanted to hear about hers and find out why why do I believe the things that I believe? And why does she believe or not believe the things that she does? And it was a really, really good conversation and really healing and really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those particular stories parts of my partner that I hadn't truly deeply explored and I and I and I don't still feel like I have completely and I would love to keep talking about it yeah because it's a Um, bottomless you know the the depth is bottomless (laughs) yeah and you get you're with somebody long enough you kind of think oh I know that person you know isn't that nice when you find out that there's something new to know yeah and there is there's always something new to know we just get into this comfortable rut where we feel like there isn't yeah I just know them and I know what they're gonna do or say yeah. The poet Mary Oliver, I think, has a poem about how every day is there's there's no such thing as the mundane or something like that. Like, <clears throat> I'll have to find it and give it to you because I think very much that, like, if we're really paying attention to our partners and tuning in without our defenses up, we can learn and experience so much of them. Yeah, absolutely. I still feel a little iffy or, like, uncomfortable talking to Mark about faith, even though Mark and I are pretty aligned in what we think. But I think it's because I never practiced that stuff was very not talked about in my family. Like your religious beliefs, even within the family, were like yours. Keep them to yourself. So I feel like, yeah. So I feel like it's a little bit challenging for me to talk about it. But I, I desperately long to talk about like the thoughts and the feelings that I have. Mark and I were just saying that you and Caitlin do a good job going to church and we need to we need to do it because we love our church, too. Yeah, it's honestly just. We go to the same type of church, we should yes, say. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. And it's a very uh, progressive, um, inclusive. Yeah, uh, social justice focused. Social justice focused kind of place. And that is 
that's like those are if you want to know about my faith that's it <laughs> yeah that's it exactly <laughs> that's yeah. all of it that's yep. why i said that they would be psyched if an atheist came to church not to like convert her but just to be like oh no, great just yeah that's cool, cool a that's new cool. person exactly we and don't she get to told... talk to many of you we're a church yeah she literally we did the little like we were at a young adults group one night and we did a like around the circle introductions and everybody had to say one thing about themselves and, and caitlin's like my name's caitlin i'm an atheist <laughs> and everyone was like laugh. Uh, they were kind of like, okay, cool. Like, I laughed. I don't know if anybody else did. <laughs> well, at least you set the tone that, like, she can have, a, like, that she's being funny about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, a young adults group at your church, that would be, that's the only thing our church is missing is anybody under the age of 60. Oh, so. yeah. That's, that's hard. That's yeah, hard. Yeah, although it trips me up because why are there not more millennial churches with more progressive views? That's a uh, conversation for another time. Yeah, honestly, let's make that a whole episode. Let's I'm do a whole talk on that. List. You mm-hmm. and me have things to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but this episode is going to be about the concept of modern marriage. Because that's what we're calling ourselves, right? We're calling mm-hmm. ourselves spousing, and then our, our little tagline is on modern marriage. Right. And I think that Lauren, I don't know, you and I have a marriage is a traditional thing, but we consider ourselves progressive and modern marriage sounds better than progressive marriage. So (laughs) progressive marriage sounds like you might move on from it. (laughs) Or like a progressive dinner, but like different. You just had your appetizer, your blooming onion. (laughs) Yeah. We're both on our first course right now. Yeah, right. (laughs) Mark is my blooming onion. Oh, Mark is a blooming onion. Oh, that's a cute nickname. I should start calling him that. Oh, you should. Um, I'll ask him. He's, I don't think he would like that. (laughs) Weird. I can't understand why at all. Yeah. No, that's, I think it's cutesy. Um, well, okay. So I thought that we would start off by, before we talk about what it means to be in a modern marriage, or at least in a marriage where you and me bring our, like, our particular value set to them, I thought it would be helpful to talk about a little bit of the history of marriage. Do you want to hear about that? Yes, I really do. Okay, so admittedly that a lot of this history is from Wikipedia, but I do recommend reading the Wikipedia. Yeah, I know. You Mm -hmm. ever get lost on Wikipedia? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those links, those hyperlinks, you just just follow those and you're like, why am I looking up? Down a rabbit hole. And then sometimes I'm like, man, I know everything that there is to know about radical terrorism in the Middle East now. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's something I never thought I would ever look up. I got really mm-hmm. into mountain ranges. One, okay, so the marriage <laughs> Wikipedia page. Okay, the marriage yes. Wikipedia page is one to read. Okay, I just want you um, to know I put my I just put my feet all the way up on our desk, and I okay. have my wine in my hand, and I'm ready. Okay, you're ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the definition of marriage, which I actually thought was a pretty good definition. Marriage is a socially or ritually recognized union between spouses that establishes rights and obligations between those spouses, as well as between them and any resulting children or family. The definition of marriage varies from culture to culture, but generally speaking, a marriage is an interpersonal relationship that is socially or culturally sancti- sanctioned. I thought that was like a pretty straightforward um, yeah. culturally unambiguous way to define marriage. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Or it culturally ambiguous, all of I guess. The, yeah, culturally ambiguous and covers the, because so much of marriage is your families, it is mm-hmm. your cultures, it is all, like all of those things, not just, and, and it's the involvement of like the state or whatever like sanctifying organization might exist. Yeah, and so in my mind, marriage is about 
I was thinking about this when I was like looking stuff up earlier. Marriage is about the relationship. It's about your families. It's about the state. And it's about whatever your like source of spirituality is. Yes. And I think that like those things and when I look at the history of marriage and I look at like trends in marriage in our generation and like the millennial generation, it's changes in those four realms. Yeah. So, okay. Did you know that marriage is a cultural universal? Meaning that every yes. almost every single culture on planet Earth practices the yes. marriage? Yes. Yes. Does that surprise you? No, not at all. But I think as a person who um, has what some people would call a non-traditional relationship, I'm also, I'm often lumped in with people who have other kinds of non-traditional relationships, like polyamorous relationships or... Um, you know, things of that nature. And it's so, it's such an interesting, like, internal conversation I have with myself. That's about... so crazy to me. Yeah. Although, I mean, maybe in 20 years, check back in and ask me if I think polyamorous relationships are still kind of, like, Right. Fringe, well, and I, I, don't I don't think they're, I don't think they're crazy. I think it's totally, I could, it's not for me. It's also interesting thinking about polyamory and then the lens of marriage. But even marriages across the, across the globe are not always, um, like two people monogamous monogamous <laughs> that's the word you're searching for well and also i think that there's marriages that like there's just a whole bunch of different types of marriages like arranged yeah. marriages and, yes but people have been arranging themselves into partnerships whether it's more than one like partnerships or teams for like since the beginning of time and across all cultures which is so right. crazy to me because i've always thought of marriage as a cultural construct but it's actually mm-hmm. not it's like what is it's that evolution. like an instinct? Like what is that? It's, yeah, I think it's evolution. We are we are meant to be pack animals, you know. And what who better to build a pack with than than one person? And again, mm. I can't speak for like the history of marriage. I don't. I'm not a marriage scholar, but I do know that like in my own marriage, it, that it's a <laughs> that it's a positive. It's a positive thing, and that I mm-hmm. I like it and want it for myself, and like I want the same kind of joy that I have in my own marriage for other people. Yeah. Well, no, I completely agree. I really like, I mean, I love marriage too, but let's get to that in a second because I think that it's important before we go on about the positive things about marriage. I think it's important to recognize that like, I think it's, well, at least it should be pretty well known among our listeners that marriage has a little bit of a problematic past Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. rooted in patriarchy, um, particularly heteropatriarchy. Um, So it's been like a, a part of the cultural record as far back as we know. But we, we know that, like, in, um, like, nomadic tribes and in ancient Greece, like, women were seen as the most valuable property that men could own. And so then, over time, like, it became something of, like, a family trade. Women became, like, kind of a family trade. Um, something that I see as, like, a or saw as a pattern on this Wikipedia page was the idea that a lot of cultures required consent between both parties. But I wonder if that meant like the consent of the families. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I would, so, I would venture to say that's probably a fair guess. Right. Well, and then in the 20th century United States, which is closer to like, let's just jump way back from ancient times to like a hundred years ago. Um, 20th century United States marriage has basically been the cultural norm across all like populations of people Mm -hmm. um and the rates have been generally stable but back i don't know a few decades ago what would be the case is that like marriage was kind of a a financial arrangement and based on Mm -hmm. like what was expected and should happen and marriage is very much different now 
That's, I think that's a really good point. Have you heard of the marriage gap? Um, yes. It's like the gap in marriage rates between, the gap in marriage rates between different, I think different socioeconomic classes. I think it also has something to do with the gap in marriage rates between people of our parents' generation and people of our generation. Like the, one of the statistics that I have on here, let me find this. This is really interesting. Um, marriage has, oh gosh, there's like a third of people are getting married now. Okay. So according to a study from the Pew Research Center, this is it, that compares millennials to the silent generation who were born roughly from 1925 to 1942. Millennials are three times as likely to never have married as our grandparents. Interesting. Yes. Okay. And I know that to be true. So what, what is that relationship to be to with the socioeconomic classes people so, of what's the marriage rate is it higher among it's it's higher among among higher socioeconomic classes whereas okay. the divorce rates and the divorce rates for socioeconomic classes are significantly lower like you might have seen there was another study that came out over the summer from the University of Maryland um, mm. stating that the United States divorce rate dro- has dropped 18% from 2008 to 2016 the divorce so, rate has the divorce rate has dropped and the wow. incidences of marriage have dropped but the divorce rate is controlling for how often people are getting married so it's just okay. the divorce rate overall the gotcha. boomers were mar- like divorce happy. The boomers okay. got divorced a lot. Millennials okay. are not getting divorced so much, but they're also uh-huh. not getting d- married as much. Okay. Um, so I have a do you have a personal definition outside of the research of what modern marriage is to you? Could you sum that yes. up in like Okay. Yes. Okay. So cuz I've thought about this. To me, marriage is a very traditional institution, and I want to talk to you a little bit about why we're kind of non-traditional people and why you think that we chose such a traditional institution for our lives. Yeah. But marriage is a traditional institution, but I am not necessarily a traditional girl. In a lot of ways I am, but I am not comfortable with any kind of like, um, marriage where Mark and I are not completely individuals that are together as a team um, for each other's to for the purpose of building each other up. So I would say that that's probably if I had to define marriage, it would be two totally separate individuals who are like fully formed uh, people, independent, mm-hmm. fully formed people who have come together, um, like probably out of love to be like teammates, life teammates, I guess, partners, which is, I really like the word partner because that's exactly what it feels like. But, and then as I've been married though, it's taken on more of a spiritual feeling to me because it's also like one of the most important, I think of it in kind of a spiritual sense as like the biggest mirror to all of, to myself. So it's my biggest learning opportunity. It's like one big growth lab marriage. (laughs) You said learning opportunity, but I heard flirting opportunity. And I was like, (sighs) yeah, no, that's true. Both. That's the fun thing about marriage is that you can learn while you flirt. Yeah. (laughs) Flirt while you learn. Yep. I always do. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. That's how I define yeah. marriage. But I, to, it's interesting to me that, like, I don't think about certain things. Like, I don't think about it in the context of babies, necessarily. Although mm-hmm. Mark, when I asked him how he defined marriage, said that he did. So that's interesting to me. As, like, a precursor to, to building a family? 
Yeah, although I don't think that he meant it in a judgmental way. He ended up laughing because he kind of sounded like we were laughing at him being like, you have to be married to have a baby. He was like, how would you have a baby if you weren't married? And I was like, (laughs) that's 2018, babe. But but yeah, I mean, that would be, you can be very modern and have a baby. So I don't know. That's, I think of it as a very, um, it's extremely practical, but it's also um, more than that. I don't know. It's something yeah. that I imagine parenting will be like. <laughs> yeah, extremely practical, but also spiritual. I think yeah. that's, that is true. Okay, so I wrote this down earlier because I was thinking about modern marriage. Because I, in an interview, okay, so I, my, my, oops. Sorry, I just dropped my, my stuff. It's very professional podcasting over here. Okay, mm-hmm. so in an interview for my job, which I work in gifted education, and I, I recently went to an interview, and they asked what I thought gifted meant, or what does gifted mean, mm. and I... I had nailed every other question. I had, like, stats out the wazoo. I was, like, all ready to go. And they asked me what gifted meant. And I Better. was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so when we, when we picked our topic for this episode, I was like, yeah, yeah, modern marriage. And I was like, what is modern marriage? Yeah. So I really deeply considering it. And here's what I came up with. Modern marriage gives us the freedom to choose a partner whose adult brain values the same things ours do. So previously, people married young. They married their neighbors. They married, um, you know, and I would, I will say that as a, as a person who grew up in a different time, which everybody grows up in a different time than the time that they're an adult in, um, I can see that what I am at 29 is not what I thought I was going to be at 29 when I was a kid. Yes. And that people are not getting (laughs) married the way they used to. And that I didn't even really consider marriage as an option until I had a fully formed frontal lobe and that, that, that I grew up in a time when that was okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very unlike, you know, you don't, your frontal lobe is not fully formed until you're 25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a privilege in that. There's a privilege in being able to wait to choose our partners. Yeah. There's uh, also that some is challenges. found in the research as well too. Yeah. And you know, it's both of our definitions there kind of mirror each other with talking about like, I like fully formed people, like fully formed individuals. It all comes back to the moment that I knew that you were my relationship guru was when I was going through some heartache and you brought me to Barnes and Noble and you introduced me to the best Shel Silverstein book ever on relationships. It's the only relationship book you'll ever need, especially if you're single, especially if you're single and you're worried that nobody will ever love you. It's Mm -hmm. what is it? The, the, The missing piece meets the big O. The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so good. And you can so watch, good. like, a, a reading of it on YouTube. But the whole point of that story, I, like, lent it to a, a client of mine, and they stole it, so I need to get it again. <laughs> but oh, yeah. the whole point of that story, I was too generous for my own good. The yeah. whole point of that story is that you should be a fully formed individual in order to find somebody that you love and that works with you. Absolutely. Maybe I, I so misinterpreted I have some, it, but that's what I meant. No, no, no. That is absolutely what I believe, and I think it's funny that that has been such a – that one children's story has been such a good um It was so healing for, for me. me. to build my relationships on. Yes. Like, and I've always, I think, always based it on that. But I have some um, – research which I would I think you said you weren't gonna do any research you can't help yourself no I can't well it's not even really research actually it's not it's just I think it's an opinion piece by it's 2014 Wall Street Journal article Charles Murray Murray um it's called rules for a happy life I tried to look up the exact article and had some trouble locating it but I'll put a a link to what I found in um, the show notes 
Um, but his ideas, and I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase because it's a little bit lengthy. So he models two marriage, or he, he talks about two models of relationships. One of them is a startup. So this is more of our parents' generation, people who, um, who, um, find each other early. They're high school sweethearts. They get married, they create a family, um, and they're building this life together. So that's a startup. And then there's the opposite, which is sort of more of our, our generation are what we are doing, which is you meet after you're already kind of a fully formed person and you and your partner meet and then you merge your lives together. So there's those startup marriages and those merger marriages and they're both wonderful. Like there's no right or wrong. It's just a very different model. Um, Interestingly, his model for mergers is of people in their thirties who are already established, which isn't actually us. Um, yeah. We're somewhere in the middle because, I, again, we both of us are married to students um, and students who have had previous jobs that that could have been careers but just weren't a good fit. Um, so it's just interesting to think about relationships yeah. and how merger marriages. So some interesting things. Um, Twenty. The, his idea is that many twenty-two-year-olds are saved from bad marriages because they go into relationships at that time, assuming that marriage is still out of the question, and that's true today most 22-year-olds aren't considering marriage because it's not the norm. Yeah, that is true. Well, Mm -hmm. and and that's a part of why the divorce rate has fallen is because people are waiting until they are ready to get married until they're more sure that they're not going to get divorced. Yes, yeah, which is true. And it's interesting to think, to see how that, like that feels true in my soul and it's interesting to see how that's reflected in the statistics. Yeah. Well, my, the thing that I was thinking when you were saying that was that I definitely feel like a merger instead of a startup, but it's also funny that he puts an age on it. I would mm-hmm. maybe say that it's more of like a mindset thing, right? Like I I remember my mom being really concerned that I was getting married young and I got married when I was 25. <laughs> God. Wow, you were young. Yeah, I was young kind of. Yeah, 25? I, I was 25. It was 2015. Yeah, Katie, you are young. Okay, yeah, I was a little young. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, I made a fine choice. But I remember my mom being really concerned that I was young. And I said to my mom that, like, she was like, how will you know if this isn't right? How will, like, what will you do? Have you thought about that? Because she was really concerned that I was just kind of like, marriage is the best. And I'll get married and when I'm young and it'll be a fairy tale. Which was ridiculous because my parents are divorced. And I know firsthand that marriage is not a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. But I told her, I was like, mom, look. And maybe this is a bad position to have, but I'm in it for number one. Like my, I am my priority in my life. I can imagine that really changing when I have kids, but I am my priority. I have put my faith in Mark. I have trusted him. I have bound my life to him. We are completely and totally bound together. But if we go south I'm not afraid to honor what's best for both of us. Now, you and I are team hashtag never divorce. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is absolutely like the case for Mark and I are absolutely not. That's not even on our horizon. I have a lot of divorce anxiety because of my parents, but that's another mm-hmm. story. But mm-hmm. I am also very sure that if we ever stop being what the other one needs, that it will be okay and I think that that's because I feel like a completely independent person right like if I know that I'll be able to work I know that I have a safety net to fall back on I know that I'm not going to be completely ostracized I know I have family and friends that belong to me and not not us you know Mm -hmm. and that's different than maybe like the 50s 
Yeah, because you had time to develop that on your own, even though you got married so young. I can't believe you were 25. Yeah, but I know. you <laughs> That seems so young. I mean... I mean, it's not as young as my one friend who could barely, like, by three months could drink at her wedding. So... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. that's bad. And they have, like, yeah, and the her, best marriage They have a I've very ever. successful marriage, and they're wonderful, beautiful She's going to be an early guest. That's Taylor. She's, like, yes. the mom of the youngest... She is a young mom of two perfect twins. So. Yes, and they're very, very We'll have cute. her on to talk about parenthood. Yeah, that would be great, because we yeah. need an expert in that field. Um... Okay, so just a couple more things on mergers and startups. Um, okay, so the idea being the bride and groom of merger marriages will be more mature and le- less likely to outgrow each other, which I think is fascinating, or feel compelled 10 years into the marriage to make up for their lost youth. Isn't that interesting? To be more, less likely to outgrow your partner as a, as a benefit for getting married older. Yeah, that's true. Because most of your growing is already done. Your your frontal lobe is fully developed. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. and more of a willingness to grow together. Yeah. Too. Which, yeah. Yes. There's so much we could say about this. Well, so let me tell you about what, okay, so the guy, you know, my favorite, um, marriage researcher John Gottman of the yes. Gottman oh, Institute. Yes. He is he he's. is not gospel but close to it when it comes to relationships. Leading researcher on marriage. Um also interesting Wikipedia page listeners if you want to look him up. Mm-hmm. Um the Gottman Institute talks about I looked this up and they've got some of the ways that marriage modern marriage is different from oh, or like how what millennials are doing to change marriage. I think that okay. that's even the name of the article like how millennials are changing marriage. I got to know everything. Yeah, so they have this quote from this woman who says, for the first time in history, people are experiencing marriage as an option instead of a necessity. Mm. Um, it's it's a fascinating happening. It's an incredible opportunity for marriage to be redefined and approached with more reverence and mindfulness than ever before, which I thought was a really interesting way of thinking about it because it now we don't have to be married anymore. Yeah. Like we could, you and me as women could survive in this world without being married and everything Absolutely. would be, we could have completely fine and fulfilling lives. So when we get married, it's very much a choice that we're making for a reason, right? Same thing with yeah. babies yeah. Um, or even working. You know, these are all choices that we're making. It's almost like every choice that you make as a woman is political. It's so annoying, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the personal is political, my girl. So true. So, yeah. Okay, so they've talked about some of the things that make modern marriage different or how millennials are redefining marriage. And the mm-hmm. first thing that they say is that um, women are prioritizing things that are important to them as individuals, such as their career and their values. So women are willing to take the time and focus on they're willing to they're basically saying exactly what I just said. Marriage is like I can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to focus me as a fully formed person. I'm going to focus on my job right now. I'm going to focus on my values right now. Then I'm going to take the time to make sure that marriage fits into that world appropriate marriage and family fits into the world that I want for myself, not I will make my world fit into marriage and family. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yes. Like making marriage and family fit into the world. I've never thought about it through that lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never have either, but it makes complete sense to me. Because marriage to me is very much a part of my landscape of like my whole life, but I have a vast landscape. Like it never occurred to me ever as a little girl, as a teenager, as an adult, or otherwise, that, like, I would be anything else than a fully formed person with, like, a full life with job and my own friends and my own interests. Mm-hmm. 
and that okay, a, a marriage know, and a family was part of that, but but not the whole, not the whole, yeah, thing. not the whole thing. Okay, which is why I was, I was just willing sitting to wait, here. What? Yeah, until you were twelve. All <laughs> yeah, until I was ancient. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is true because there is a time, and some cultures still live in this time, where if you're twenty five and not married, you're an old maid, and that's mm-hmm. like a reality for for some people. Um, okay, so I was just sitting here wondering why this was this this um these facts and research that you're sharing why they weren't sitting quite as as um as squarely with me as a lot of things do and i think i realized that as a queer person marriage is something that i aspired to because it's something i didn't know for sure that i was going to be able to have so there's a lot of this it's funny because there's a lot of privilege in the fact that as two women we get to make our own rules and we get to uh, have the, all of that, those things, nobody nobody expects anything of us because nobody really even knows what we are. But one of the things that I think that I struggle with, especially in terms of marriage, um, def- defining marriage and, and talking mm-hmm. about it as something you can kind of choose or not choose for yeah. for me for so long. I mean, it wasn't, I was already dating my, my now wife when, when it became legal for us to get married. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point is that for you, it didn't feel like what a a choice or it felt more like, um, yeah, well, and we, Caitlin and I always joke that we, so a lot of, and this is no, no shame, this is no judgment, but we have heard the narrative a lot from our millennial friends that once they get, once they get married, they don't want to be called wife. Mm-hmm. And to us, like, that is the highest honor. Like, we love being able to use that particular term to describe that person because she is my wife. Well, and, and in that, you're acknowledging that there is that there is something different to you about being married yes. versus being in a relationship, right? That's what that word wife is a signifier for. And even in terms of introducing, when I... When Caitlin and I were just dating, I, my my very sweet coworker, who I hope is listening, uh, we always joke about how I I in in um, introduced myself and then would talk about my quote unquote girlfriend. And for the longest time, and by this time, Caitlin and I were already living together. We were in a serious, committed relationship, and I was referring to her as my girlfriend. And she thought I was just southern and southern and meant like my girlfriend. My girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And isn't that funny? And like that's that's an experience we have a lot, and people just getting like recognizing us as a unit has gotten a lot easier now that we have mm. a marriage. But wife is like savory for you. You love that. It's, it's unambiguous. Well, and you know that is, I think, one of the things that came up with with marriage as like, so marriage is as a concept is kind of like you can't really parse it away from like, really big, important things like sexuality and gender Mm -hmm. and politics and legitimacy and Mm -hmm. spirituality. Like, you can't just pull marriage apart from those things. And legitimacy is one of the big things that, like, marriage is a status that Mm -hmm. even though it was a status that maybe more people sought it in, in past generations, but, like, children come from married homes married homes are whole homes married if you're married the relationship seems more serious and even like especially if you're in a queer relationship being married probably feels like a huge legitimacy thing it does it does yeah. which and is why life yeah, is so it's very interesting but is there more to what that oh yeah sorry we could get marriage? off on that for a long time yeah so, we sure could <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, another thing that they said is that millennials question the institution of marriage itself. Now, I have, like, stuff to say about that. I'm wondering if you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard people say, I just, like, the institution of marriage doesn't mean anything to me. Or, like, yeah. why do we need a piece of paper? <laughs> yes, I have. What do you think about that? It makes me angry as a person who could not get that piece of paper for a long mm. time and and still worries that, oh, everybody drink. Yeah, I know. That's She's going to keep barking. Board. Sorry. Yeah. That was a cute one. I liked it. But as a person, <laughs> like, I think that idea of, like, marriage being, quote, unquote, just a piece of paper is incredibly frustrating to me. Um, mm. And that's not a judgment. Um, it's a it's a reaction it's coming from your to, lens, girl. Yeah, yeah. It's a reaction to this um, this idea that this is something I knew I always wanted and was. And even as a kid, when I realized that I was gay, I was scared I wasn't going to be able to have it. And now mm. in our cur- current world, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to keep it. So to me, the idea of it being just a piece of paper is dismissive. Yeah, that is such a good point. Really good reframe because I can see that like from my place of privilege, like I can see when people say that, like the point in that argument that it's just just a piece of paper. But that is so that really trivializes what marriage is as an institution. And marriage Mm -hmm. as an institution, like it's a government institution is really not trivial. Like the government has an interest in marriage. Um, yes. I don't have uh, these statistics. I don't have at my <laughs> fingertips, but like you probably know a thing or two about like married couples, gay or straight or whatever, married couples, committed married couples do like are, are good for the community. Do you know anything about yes. that? I don't know if like you learn about that in school, I've teaching done. school. No, I, I teach school. I I don't know any like specifics, but I have heard You've that, heard that yeah. echoed before. And I also think it's so interesting because like I feel a very weird sense of pride and validation that recently um, I had I as as all millennials are I'm in the lifelong process of paying back my student loans, mm-hmm. and um, I just had to do uh, some paperwork, and yeah. they needed my income information, but because I'm now registered as married, they also needed my wife's, which was wonderful. Like, it felt good that, like, the state, my this, this like, monster of, like... They need to check into servicing. Caitlin to make sure you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that was really nice. That's... I don't know. It, that's a funny way to think about it, but... It's just, it was a, it was a funny, it was a positive reaction I had in an averse situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I, that's a really, I just hadn't thought about that. Like, I really appreciate you sharing that because that's, people do trivialize the institution. And to me, it's more about like, it is different. Something changed for me between our relationship and being married. And I, the way that I described it is that all of a sudden I started being really worried about him dying. Yes. <laughs> um, I told Caitlin I was worried about her dying today. Yeah. I'm worried about it constantly. <laughs> it's really strange, but also like there's knowing that I think the biggest change for me in a relationship versus married is that relationships felt like the, my our relationship felt like it was always our dating relationship always felt like it was ramping up. Mm-hmm. And this feels like we're in it for the long haul, so like settle in. You're laying you know? a found- exactly, you are laying a foundation. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Piece we don't need to resolve piece. it today. Not every argument is will they like will this make or break it. Everything yes. like okay, I don't want to talk about this thing, but like I gotta, you know, yeah, because right, we're exactly. in it for the long haul. It's yeah, exactly. It's a long con. And I'm gonna be better for it. Like yeah, I know- and it's something about that institutionalized sanctioning Some- of it. 
Exactly. And suddenly what's best for me is actually the same as what's best for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's so mm-hmm. true. Well, okay. And so the last thing that the Gottman Institute says is that millennials bring a strong uh, sense of identity to their marriages. And this is what we were talking about a little earlier, which, so like our, it's our generation is pejoratively known as the snowflake generation. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that like, I think it is, there's some truth to like our parents, my parents at least focused on like, you can be whatever you want to be and like right, follow yeah. your heart. And, and I think the TV shows of our time did too. But one of the really big benefits of that is that it bringing a strong focus on identity offers a lot of strengths, including typically more financial stability, professional mm-hmm. success, emotional development, and self-awareness. So they found that women in relationships with women or men who are more kind of like fully formed and, you know, um, fully baked are mm-hmm. more financially independent and have more stable like independent footing and men who are more fully baked tend to be more emotionally intelligent and aware and attuned to their partners because that's how we've had to develop yes yes absolutely that is oh that's such a good point and I think also it's interesting to think about how this like the direct correlation between that fact and the idea that we're getting married later Mm -hmm. And, like, by the time that Caitlin and I got married, I already had, like, a vested interest in Broadway musicals. And she already was um, invested in in pottery. She loves – she's a potter. And she has uh, other things that she does, like, outside of. Whereas if you meet in high school, you guys went to the same high school. Maybe you had extracurriculars. Maybe not. But unless you are really, truly, like, very advanced as a – 18 19 year old or however old Mm -hmm. you are when you get married out of high school you don't know unless you have a very understanding partner you don't really have necessarily the space to to explore those things because you're also exploring your relationship how to be an adult and all those other things that are all consuming it doesn't leave space for you to develop a personal identity that is such a good point because now every single thing that i've done since committing my life to mark and this is like since us deciding that we were going to be together forever, so even while we were just dating, has been everything that's developed of me has developed in the context of Mark, right? So, like, he has a little bit of a thumbprint on all of the things that have developed from me since we've been together. And if we had met when I was 15, that would be, at this point, almost half of my life that I have kind of bounced off and formed in his presence. And, and that, that works really well for some people. And there's a part of me that thinks that's really cool. Like, how no, linked you are. No, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially if you are people who can grow and change and you're flexible and you can watch that person explore an interest. That's what it is. You always, I mean, what do I say all the time? You don't have to have a perfect person, partner, you but you have to have, have a, a willing, willing partner. partner. And if you have somebody who's, and I think that there are people who can grow and learn that they have to be willing and they have to be flexible yeah. Even in I the context agree. of a marriage. I'm just happy that I knew that I had to do that before I got married. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So whether or not I was like a, a, a business ready to merge or not, I definitely knew that I had to relax a little. Yeah. And you did it. Your, your, your taste is excellent and you have picked the best partner and I just love him Likewise. deeply. Likewise. Listeners Likewise. should know that Mark walked my mom down the aisle. Oh, yes. And yeah, that's, he's a good boy. Okay, Mm -hmm. wait, I have one more question for you before we, before we give some recommendations. Okay. So one of the things that I thought about in a modern, we're talking very generally right now about like the typical attitudes that, Mm -hmm. well, the typical attitudes that like millennials in general might bring to marriage, but you and me in particular, I think have progressive values 
that we want to bring or that we try to bring into our wedding or not our <laughs> to our wedding yes but <laughs> yeah, to our marriage true. and uh-huh. I think that for one of the like conflicts that's really interesting to me is that marriage and I'm curious about this from your perspective like in a queer marriage that like marriage for me I spend a lot of time fighting gender stuff that I find to be like that I that's just icky for me and it's not my values and so I'd spend a lot of time pushing back on that but I'm I'm curious about like how and if you think that you bring your progressive values into your marriage yeah it that's funny I think for me like I have a deep appreciation for the fact that I don't have to fight that that kind of the gender stereotypes Mm -hmm. um which is great because it gives me energy to fight all those other things that the legitimacy things that that queer couples generally yeah right Um, there we go again talking about things that it's nice when your bandwidth is not taken up by exactly so that you can focus on the salient problem Wait, so is your question directed at, like, what, what if any, stereotypes exist in, in our marriage that I feel like I need to rebel against or to consider carefully before I jump into that role? No, not necessarily. I guess my question was, if you think of yourself as a progressive person, right? Like, okay. both of us consider ourselves to be progressive people, right? Yes, in our poli- do, In yes. our politics. Mm-hmm. And we can assume that the personal is political how do you see your politics and your marriage like where do you see the intersection of those two Ah. things i think the personal is political is like a very very apt description um i mean i guess your entire marriage do you feel like does your marriage feel like a political statement sometimes is that i can imagine that would feel yucky yes no it does and i think there's no better um singular moment that represents that fact than um well, as, and I hate to bring you to this place, but I know that um, for Katie and for myself and then for a lot of like-minded people, um, the 2016 election was a really, really difficult time. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had addressed uh, save the dates on my, my coffee table, ready to send out in November because we got married in July of the next year. And I had a really hard time bringing myself to go to the post office and do it. And I remember when we finally did get our, like, pull ourselves up and walk, you know, walk ourselves down to the post office, I remember feeling like, and I think I, like, sent a Snapchat that it was, like, our, the act, our act of political rebellion. Um, and I rem- and just putting them, like, all in that mailbox and, like, closing that little mailbox drawer felt like yeah. rebellion. It felt like the most, um, most intense political stand that I could take at a time when I felt like um, that bigotry and hate were, were getting a a platform and a stage, then that felt like the most important thing that I could do Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, and I think in little ways, just living our lives, we have people in our lives that are, um, struggling with homophobia and struggling with supporting us. And I think, you know, I can, we can think about it as long as the day is all day long and, and, realize that ultimately all we can do is be married. And I think by mm-hmm. the virtue of being married, we make a political statement whether we want to or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What do you, how do you feel about that? Um, gosh, I'm just listening to you. How do I feel about like your, your marriage, marriage or my marriage? Um, <clears throat> I feel like in my marriage, I am, I feel like Mark and I do have a pretty traditional setup, right? Like we're both, 
you know, cisgendered, straight people um, who are able-bodied. And we have, it from the outside looking in, it's pretty traditional looking. However, I think I get really um, wrapped up in whether or not things are equal or an egalitarian yeah. and if our expectations are the same of one another um i am really lucky that i am married to one of those millennial men who has like stepped up to the emotional intelligence plate yeah. he's not perfect um i mean i'm not perfect but yeah neither he am I. values yeah, yeah. um arena. i don't know anybody who is and if anybody thinks that they're perfectly emotionally intelligent they're probably a dick <laughs> um, or a narcissist <laughs> yeah but one in the same um well i shouldn't say that that's Oftentimes, whatever. So, That's offensive to narcissists. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that there's a couple nice narcissists out there. Um, anyway, I do if feel If you're like, a nice narcissist, come on the show. We'd love yeah, to Yeah, we'd to you. love to hear your case. <laughs> I have a really interesting perspective. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't get it back. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm oh really boy. excited okay. about my perspective. <laughs> so... so Anyway, I do feel like a lot of what I do is, like, intentionally rebellious. And Mark will sometimes say, like, you're just you're just doing this because of your politics, not because you actually – this is something you actually think about or care about. And what's funny is that I actually do think and care about my politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what so, a different – a difference. Yeah. It's a uh, – you know, you can you can be married to people who, and you're like, that's your like closest, intimate, most intimate relationship. And sometimes they say things, and you're like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. but you <laughs> know what? There again, is isn't isn't marriage a teacher though? Like, you can what yeah. a teacher, what a lesson that you can love somebody and disagree with them. That you can both yes. like someone and want to be around them and hate what they just said. Like, hate what yes. they just said. Yes, yes. I still my love parents- them. <laughs> My parents have been married for 33 years, and they could not be more different. My dad is an entrenched Republican, and my mom is, like, a liberal Democrat. And it's funny because they're both a lot more um, moderate than they profess to be, but they've been canceling each other out in every election since 1985. No, a tradition unlike any other. (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny to see, and we should have – I've been writing down – notes i'm gonna write a note of um what political differences or just differences in marriage because um i think that that would be a really fascinating topic yeah i agree well so i think that out of all the things that we've talked about for me it's important to end this by saying that like marriage to me is i love being married i don't know back I know that they say that, like, now we can be independent and self-sufficient, but truly, I could not live a, a life if I did not have... I don't know how I could ever go back now. I have a person no. that does half of the stuff, and I love it. And also, like, yeah. a person that wants to hear about my feelings and tell me I'm pretty. Why? Like, I and who right. has to because of a piece of and paper. That, <laughs> yes, and who has to because of a piece of paper. And, and that person is also, like, my best friend. The per- yeah. I find her, like, stunningly gorgeous. She's, mm-hmm. like incredibly attractive to me and like it's it's wild that all of those people are this now the same that person that is my like business partner is also like my like teenage girl crush is also my this is like that's that person is it takes on so many roles and that relationship mm-hmm. is just so it becomes like more important with every role every every proverbial hat she puts on you know yeah 
Mm-hmm. And that's what makes commitment so great is that when somebody drops one of those roles, if they have to drop one of those roles, there's still so much for you, yes. right? Like there's yes. still absolutely there's still or if they take on new roles, right? And like that's just it's um I just think it's like the biggest metaphor for like your entire life. So absolutely, that's, I love mm-hmm. being married. I I endorse it. Yep, ten out of ten would marry. If again. you're if you're relatively sure that you know the other person, that's a good. That's a good. <laughs> no, 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 no. You need to be more than relatively sure. <laughs> um, we recommend dating for a little bit before a lot of making it. that choice. Yes. Yes. Um, at, at least if you're a millennial, it's hard to be a modern millennial and and do a courtship Duggar style. Yes, it back that's to the true. Courtship. Oh yeah. Thanks for those guys. Duggars, Katie. You cannot. I really tell me appreciate that. Girl, I love you. I know what you want. I know. Yeah, I, you, you cannot do. tell me that those girls, are like, if they were like, if they woke up one day and they were like, I don't really like you anymore, you can't tell me that they would be able to be like, I'm going to do what's best for me. No, they would <laughs> no. not. They would not. And that's Mm-mm. what's so, just for the record, I am not a Duggars fan. I am fascinated in the, socio, the like sociological an anthropologist. culture. It, it is. It's a cult following fascination and I've always mm-hmm. had it with like fundamentalist uh, polygamist non-traditional type or I guess maybe hyper traditional type relation family relationships yeah. Anywho. Wow, it's like the complete opposite. Anyway, speaking yeah. of things that we like, let's recommend what some stuff. What do you like? Yeah, actually wait, let me tell you about, about my thing that I like first because yeah. I'm really excited about my perspective on this. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so my recommendation this week is a board game called quirkle and that's quirkle with a qw um it's sort of like patterns i mean it's sort of like scrabble but it, instead of words it's shapes and colors and patterns um i we started playing it recently well in the last few months because of a hurricane that um kept me out of school for a week and like knocked out power in most of Virginia Beach and it's just a really fun game it's fun to play together it's a quick game you can play around in like less than 20 minutes and my grandparents who I love dearly um they were married over almost 60 years maybe more than that um and they I just always remember them playing games together so my recommended my my overarching my umbrella recommendation is playing games with your partner um I think there's just nothing that not, I just think it's a great way to spend time together. You can, you know, put your phone away. You can just tune into each other, turn into each other, and be focused on this one thing. Um, and if you're looking for a good game to play, try Quirkle because it's it's a lot of fun. I love a two-person game, so that's yeah. – it's hard to find those except for – and chess, I'm like, I have to be in the right mindset for chess. Yeah. So yeah. my recommendation is, <clears throat> like uh, a lot of people, and like you and I talk about a lot – I have a frog in my throat. Sorry. <clears throat> it's allergy season for me, you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, get allergies in the fall, winter, not the spring. It's crazy. Anyway, I, like, a lot of people our age, and, like, especially you and me, grocery shopping is my, like, the bane of my existence. And I sometimes, when I get into these, like, depressive spirals, I I start getting into this thought pattern of, like, life is just a big treadmill where all we do is go to the store and do our laundry and work and sleep and go to the store and do laundry and work and sleep. And so mm-hmm. I get, that's very depressing to me. And so then the, the grocery store becomes, <coughs> becomes a symbol to me of, um, 
that awful life that I've imagined for myself. So to the point where I was getting, like, I was saying things about the, going to the grocery store that were, like, worrying Mark because he was like, it's just the store. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but it would make me, like, I would spend the whole day, like, about it. And then, like, yeah. it was awful. So anyway, we, Mark's best friend David suggested to us that we do Peapod, which is the grocery delivery service through Giant. And mm-hmm. so my recommendation is grocery delivery services. You can, instead of now doing, like, a big Sunday afternoon grocery shop, I I sit down on Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and I look over our master grocery list and then I decide what we want to eat that week, plug it all in, bada bing, bada boom. Mark picks it up on Monday afternoon and it's done. And I love it. It's completely oh, taken that's... the... I didn't even realize I haven't been in the store in five weeks. That's so amazing. Nice. So oh, that's nice. so nice. Yeah. Also, Peapot, if you want to sponsor us, yeah. um, just send Actively us an email. Sourcing. Yeah. <laughs> I am saying that my mental health was cured with a combination of Zoloft and Peapod. That's what yes. I'm saying. No, I think <laughs> so that is... I don't think that there could be a better Katie, endorsement Katie, those are your pod. tool belt strategies. Yeah. Those are your tool belt. Yeah, that is in my... I'm going to have to tell that to my patients tomorrow. The Peapod, part of your mental yes. health tool belt, so that you don't have to leave the house when you're isolating. <laughs> yes. And part of my mental health strategy is you. And this this is... Yes. I feel like I very am... I'm very excited to do this with you weekly and... Um, explore our relationships and our marriages together. Me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you are you are one of my bridesmaids, and that's like one of the things that's really important to me as somebody who's involved in your wedding. I like the symbolism of us being like each other's marriage support systems. It takes a village. Yes, absolutely. It really does take a village. It so really does. If you want to be part of our village, where can mm-hmm. you find us, Lauren? Yes, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at How Do I Spouse, or shoot us an email. Quote. Uh, Right at you. This is at you, Peapods. When you want to know how to sponsor us, shoot us an email at send how... a check. Yes, send, send us a check directly to how do I spouse at gmail.com. Uh, we want to know anything that you're thinking about. What kinds of topics would you like to hear us discuss? Do you have comments, questions, uh, suggestions? We really would love to have this be a good community of um, conversation. Of conversations of people who maybe are married or thinking about marriage. Or, or know someone that's married or is just in a long-term committed relationship. Look, I listened. My favorite podcast is a podcast about parenting, and I have no children. Like, I'm yep. actively preventing children. So we can listen to all ty- all kinds of kinds. Absolutely. We sure can. <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about all these things. Yeah, uh, and we will see you back here next week to do that. That sounds awesome. See you later, Lauren. See ya. Bye. Love you. Love you Bye. too.